The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another, another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Right, let's try this again, hopefully from the top, from the la- for the last time, <laughs> to, to quote Into the Spider-Verse. I am your host, Ryder Cat. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And. Previously on. <laughs> okay. Yes. You can. Uh, I screwed that up. Uh, hey, guess what, folks? It's our man in Brooklyn One Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram with sound effects. What's up, everybody? Wait, is that um from Hello Nasty? Uh B Bay Booyah Base. Okay. B Boy Booyah Base, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember where that one was from. Either way, um this we can you could um find this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network that's CSPN.us. Do it today. You could also find us on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Uh, you can find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish Eastern Standard Time uh, in the PM on the, the Click Nation's uh, YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash the Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. So, yes, folks, uh, we are going to get into it, hopefully without any further gremlins, uh, and start off with a recap of uh, the finale of Miss Marvel, uh, episode six. All right. All right, so I am going to ring the spoiler bell because we're probably going to be discussing some spoilers, here, even though this episode has only been out for a day. Um, two days really. So ultimately, if you are behind, you have not and you have not caught up on Ms. Marvel, and have not finished the finale of this uh, season. Uh, no word yet if this is going to be an ongoing series when uh, after uh, the Marvels comes out. So uh, here we go. Spoilers incoming. In three, two, one. Yeah, I guess that is the, the, the curious thing, whether they're going to do a season two uh, of this or not, because they definitely have some um, some stuff they could uh, come back explore. to. Explore, yeah, yeah. They can definitely explore a lot of the stuff that's here. I mean, we're probably going to explore some of it when we see the Marvels. Right. And, you know, spoiler alert, there there is a post credit scene that does hint very heavily at that. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm also seeing um, an article on Marvel.com that is probably um, furthering those teas. But we'll get into that in a second. So the the name of this episode is called New Normal, which I believe, if not mistaken, was the title of the first arc or one of the first arcs of her book. I can't remember I, if it was the very so. first arc. Yeah, I can't remember if it was the very first or when it was relaunched. Uh but I believe it was one of them regardless, but I do remember that was the, the name of the arc. And so if you look for the trade, that is definitely it. Um, and uh, I, I am going to actually spoil this because this is nothing new in the, uh, in the, the Marvel universe. Sadly, is that once again, um, there is no such, th- there is very little thing as a secret uh, identity because yeah yeah so how about this how about we just do a super duper quick recap and then oh yeah, we'll get yeah. Into our thoughts no 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 that's that's, that's what i'm doing but i just wanted to bring that one out right right no because we're you know we're, we're gonna get through it so i think what we'll do is maybe trade off as we just go through this recap as quickly as possible so we can get into our thoughts okay. so the the episode starts right where we left off at the fifth episode with the circle Q uh, being a gigantic mess as the result of uh, an attack by the uh, the former Stark drones that are now being run by damage control. So Agent Deaver, the high hair lady who is um, the, uh, the, the agent on the ground for damage control, basically is um, on the warpath here. Ultimately, Bruno and Kamran are able to escape the Circle Q in one piece, and they head to the subway, a.k.a. the New Jersey Path Train. And I've never seen a Path Train that with that much graffiti on it. The Path Trains are really super clean in New Jersey. So <laughs> I thought that was a little inauthentic. But in any event, moving on, uh, uh, Bruno and Kamran, uh, basically, you know, have a little bit of a bonding moment here as uh, they're trying to get away and um, damage control is right on top of them. And uh, Kamran uh, basically uses his hard light powers, very similar to what Kamala is wielding at this point. And uh, they're able to get away from uh, damage control. Meanwhile, Kamala uh, is back in Jersey City uh, together with her mom. And uh, she had, you know, in the midst of something uh, that is very familiar to all immigrant families, basically uh, opening up the gift packages that have come back from the trip to the motherland. In the middle of that, uh, Kamala has a big announcement to make. She basically announces to the family, big spoilers here, that she's Nightlight, that awful name that was bestowed upon her. And everyone acts like they're surprised, but they're not because the secret's been out for a little while. Uh, because, you know, loose lips definitely sink ships in this family. Damn. Speaker. So bottom line here is that uh, uh, surprisingly, uh, Kamala's parents are very supportive of her decision, even though they, you know, they warn her and they're, they're fearful for her. They support her decision to do something, which is very inauthentic to me because what immigrant parents are like that well not only that but it's also full circle from the first episode where uh maniba uh, kamala's mom's like we don't trust her and but she was the one in this, and this was like well we yeah we, we do trust her just calm, calm down right 
So it was just very, very strange. And at this yeah. point, Kamala is interrupted by a call from Nakia informing Kamala that uh, some stuff has gone down at the Circle Q, and, and she's and Nakia is trying to reach Bruno. And are you saying strange uh, things are afoot at the Circle Q? Yes, things are definitely afoot at the Circle Q. Kamala can't get Bruno on the phone. And uh, what we have here is a nice little reveal that uh, it's, it's something that we suspected because of the changes in um, uh, Kamala Khan's origin story. But in fact, Muniba, the mother, does have a gigantic hand in creating the super suit for Kamala Khan. Right. She completed uh, well, the, the quest. I'm sorry? She completed the quest. Because right. all this all this whole time she's been getting pieces of the outfit. Now she got the last piece from her mom. Right. So ultimately, uh, we we flash back to uh, Bruno and Kamran, and Bruno has the incredibly bright idea, and I say that fully sarcastically, Ooh. to take Kamran to the local mosque that the family worships at. And uh, Nakia is not happy to find them there because obviously damage control is going to go there first and they're under as a mosque in, you know, the New York metropolitan area. They are under surveillance anyway. Mm -hmm. So they basically look to uh, escape the mosque and get to the, lo the their local high school because it's the only place guaranteed to be empty on a Saturday. So. Damage control, of course, comes in at this point and uh, tries to uh, search the mosque. Nakia does her best to create a diversion, and ultimately the diversion lasts long enough for Bruno and Kamran to get out of the building and make their way uh, and, and, and head over to the school. Uh, in the meantime, Kamala actually intercepts them and... Uh, uh, the three of them make their way to the high school. And I'm going to hand it off to Roddy Cat at this point. And with this, we get a full reveal of the suits uh, in that. when Because when... Um, and, and another thing that, that's really sad, but... Um, not sad. I shouldn't say that. But um, but yeah, when she meets up with uh, with um, with uh, Brian and, and, and Kamran... Uh, yes, I purposely said that. Um, there's, like I said, a full suit reveal. But right shortly after that, she takes off the mask. In in an alley, on a on a street. Now, granted, the street, you know, obviously for 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 cinematic purposes, it wasn't that wasn't busy. But like, somebody could just walk by and see you. And what what is that about? Anyhow, um, there's cameras everywhere. Exactly, and that was the other thing. Which 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 is which I bring that up later on. Uh, but anyway, so they all go to the they all go to the school. They um. Apparently Zoe's already there because the light's good, and apparently she already knows that Kamala was Nightlight. Uh, which you know in the in the comic she knew also, anyway, or she ended up knowing, you know, uh, just like the rest of the Scoobies anyway. So, it was, uh, but the fact that she's just like, oh no, I, you know, I'm already here and I already knew it was like no big, no, you know, no big deal. So anyway, they all uh, end up in, in um, hatching a plan along with uh, her brother Amir. Who happens to come along to basically do a home alone in the school to 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 uh, distract so that Kamran can get away because because um, uh, Kamala had called um, Red Dagger uh, Kareem to you know to for some help, which I was sitting here like what in the world was he going to be able to do from there? But he was like he knew a guy. Um, so anyway, they enhance his plan and the plan goes goes down sorta. 
except for the fact that uh, near the end, uh, oh, and during the midst of this, uh, Cameron finds out about his mother, which almost uh, makes him, I don't want to say break bad, but he kind of takes a, a slight turn, but it doesn't go all the way there, thanks to Kamala uh, intervening later on. But, uh, of course, the, the uh, damage control after them surrounding the building. And part of this plan was that uh, Zoe was going to get on her uh, social medias and put the word out to everybody so that everybody could come, come to the school. Um, which does end up happening, everybody including her parents. Right. And the she- hold that shaking. thought. Hold that thought. Zoe, who just happens to be in the school because she's in the auditorium doing right, her TikToks. Right, Seriously. Seriously. Does everyone just break into this public high school? Apparently, according to Amir, apparently according to Amir, yes, because like, like, well, how'd you get in bathroom? I used to go yeah. here too. Moving yeah. on, go uh, uh, carry on. So I thought that was kind of funny too. I was like, yeah, I guess that's the case. Um, just, so yeah. Anyway, like I said, they then enact this plan. Uh, uh, damage control breaks in. Um, although Deaver gets word to back off, but she doesn't go ahead with it. From uh, other, was the what was that other agent's name? Cleary or something? I can't remember. Either way, the other agent tells tells it's, it's, it's Stewie from Succession. But yeah, I guess. I know I've heard that, but I, I I've never seen Succession, so I heard that joke. Um, but uh, either way, whatever is, whatever is his his name is, told her to back off, but she doesn't do that. Which so she debated, uh, 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 disobeyed the direct order and invaded school. Like I said, they do the home alone thing and distract um, uh, for a time, which kind of works while everybody's gathered outside. Um, and then like I said, Cameron kind of finds out about his mom. And uh, the fight ends up spilling out uh, outside where uh, and I know I was wondering why uh, at the beginning of this episode, they were like, uh, hey, there are some scenes that might be, um, you know, some people might think a little, little, little bit of a problem or might not be OK with. Um, obviously, with school shootings being the thing and this, you know, this force invading the school going after, you know, there, there's a couple of things that, that could be. um that's kind of a problem, but this show was kind of recorded or done like a, you know, a couple of years ago, or not a couple of years ago, a while ago before the craziness that is now. Even though there's been a wait, you're muted. At least half a year ago, right? Um, yeah, you know, just to, just just so that they could get the effects in. But yeah, I want to say at least six months ago, exactly. this was already done filming. Right. So you know, cer- certain things at this point couldn't be helped because things are already in the can either way um like the 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 um, things that i'm feeling out, outside Cameron, you know decides to fight back um kamala fights him well kind of defends the the crowd or whatnot uh we hear her say the thing which i was happy to see and we also kind of get shades of her her former power or the use of her former or her comic book accurate powers in the way, you know, in a way um, with uh, her new, I guess her MCU based powers now. So that was kind of good to see, even though it was still kind of a bummer. We don't get the original comic book powers, but we will talk about that in a second. Um, but anyway, uh, that whole thing blows over. Kamran gets away. She gets away. Thanks to the help of the crowd. Uh, Diva gets called back and was like, look, you're relieved of duty. So all of that's all the wells ends well. And then we get a shot of, um, Miss Marvel, what number 14, because when she's sitting on the light post or whatever it was, and then we cut to one week later where, um, and this is the part right here that made people go absolutely nuts. Um, 
Uh, so a week later, come, uh, Bruno is about to go off to Caltech. I guess he, he slipped some some note into her locker for some strange reason before that week. So I don't know what that was. We don't know what that was. That's something else I guess they could uh, come back to. But um, Yeah, that's definitely a dangling plot line. Yeah, but we probably, uh, comic people would probably know what it possibly is. Um, assuming it is his... Um, him uh, saying his feelings for Kamala, which we, you know, which you can kind of get from here. Either way, uh, they're out on the street at late at night. Kamala kind of uses her powers um, on the street. I mean, Yuren is in the street, and they meet up with um, with uh, he and Nakia, uh, and they're going to get Swarma, uh, apparently, because, you know, that's the thing to do. Uh, but before that, Bruno tells her that uh, he found out some stuff about her genetic makeup, and that... Uh, Exactly, and that it was not it's something different, uh, something a little off from her family. He even uses the word mutinous. No, he says mutation. I know. He but, says the word mutation. I know. But. And, <laughs> you know, to, to my great disappointment. So at this point, uh, just let me jump in here just so uh, we can finish this up. At this point... Um, uh, Kamala. Well, actually, no. Just prior to this, we get the uh, the 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 genesis of the Ms. Marvel name because in the MCU, right. there's no uh, legacy hero named Ms. Marvel the way there was in the comics, right? So they needed to come up with a contrived way of coming up with the Ms. Listen, contrivance kind of and contrived is a big word for me right now because of the way they've taken this. The, because of the direction that they've taken Ms. Marvel. Right. And a lot of this is just contrived because it's generally based on and adapted from the source material comic books, but it's mm-hmm. just pulled almost out of left field sometimes. And Pretty here much. we have, you know, the, a rough translation of Kamala and Kamal, you know, shout out to Q-Tip, um, uh, you know, the abstract mm-hmm. uh, about what you know what her name actually means and what it can be translated into and through all this they come up with uh, uh they have uh uh kamala's dad sitting on their roof their lower roof right give kamala her superhero name which i guess he was the and, one to give the last the last piece of the puzzle Right, and I just groaned. I was like, yeah. oh. I kind of did, too. Like, it was a touching moment, all in all, but at the same time, I was like, really, this is how that 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 part happened? I'm like, all right, whatever. Right, right. So bottom line is, we've gotten to the end of the episode. You know, they all take, they all basically uh, abscond with Cameron's car. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, basically, Bruno's going to drive it to San Francisco. Or, or to where or to wherever Caltech is, right? I think Caltech is around San Francisco. Sure. And ultimately, we get to the post-credit scene, and yes. obviously, once if you've been with us this far, you have been spoiled. But we are warning you now: there are big spoilers here too. So, uh, so Kamala collapses right. on what's that? So basically, I was kind of right. But go ahead. We we were all sort of right, but I did not expect this twist. Right. Right. So this is what I mean by everything being sort of contrived. Right. So Kamala basically collapses on her bed, much like I did today after a long day out in the humidity getting home. 
and you know especially you know like uh, uh po- you know getting home post shower i'm like you know what I'm, I'm taking a nap so she collapses on her bed and muniba her mother is calling from downstairs and all of a sudden the bangle on kamala's wrist is glowing the next thing you know right she doesn't touch it the next thing you know she turns into a swoop you know like a like a, a swirly thing and is basically transported through the swirly thing as a swirly thing through the door of her closet. The door of her closet gets destroyed. And next thing you know, you know, she gets sucked away. The next thing you know, when the dust settles, Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, stands up and takes one look around Kamala's room and all the pictures, posters, and images of her plastered on the walls and says, oh, no, mm-hmm. and beats a quick retreat out of there. And that is where this episode ends. Now we're going to get into what I think is going to be some fair criticism of the series and specifically of this episode. Take it away. So wait, before we get before we get into that, I, w- I want to go backwards and, and address that for a second. Because for like two seconds, I thought, wait, did she change into Carol? Like, like in the beginning of the book? But then I was like, no, because that doesn't make sense because she would have reacted a little bit differently. So that's what I was like, okay, that's, it was still weird the way that happened. I was like, why did the door have to get destroyed and, and that's this and that and the other, whatever. Um, also, I wanted to mention before I forget, um, there was a moment in between this and that last part with Bruno, if I'm not mistaken, where there was a bunch of TikTok messages, with, including from a cute auntie um, 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 about, you know, about uh, what happened um, uh, at the school, uh, including one... Uh, a cameo appearance by G. Willow Wilson, which I, I enjoyed seeing. Oh, I, I missed that. I'm gonna have to go back and check that out. Oh yeah, I yeah. thought I saw Sana uh, Amana in there too, but I, I'm gonna have to look closer. That she kind of looked like her, but I don't think that was her. Uh, now Sana Amana did show up in season, uh, in uh, episode three. That's why I'm not sure no, if at the wedding scene, the right? Right. So maybe yeah. they were, I mean that maybe I don't know. It didn't seem. She looked like that girl looked like seemed like she was a little bit younger than Sana, but I could could be totally wrong, and it was just you know whatever. But yeah, it was G Willow Wilson uh, showed up with a cameo finally, and I was like, okay, that was awesome. Uh, now then, uh, matter of fact, since you seem to want you you have uh, some some gripes, go ahead and take that away. I mean, I have right. a couple so, of complaints, but whatever. Well, I mean, I definitely have some gripes. So I thought as a whole, right before we you know speak specifically about this episode. I thought as a whole, this series was a little uneven, and I felt like we spent a little too much time with the cultural history, but at the same time, I felt like it was important. But I think that those two episodes really threw the episodes, the, the balance of the story kind of off kilter, like there was just no kind of coming back from that. I appreciated it, but it all made it so that this episode felt like it was super rushed and everything was crammed in. That was my biggest complaint, um, just as an overall story, because I felt like the first few episodes were so strong in Jersey City. And then when we get to Pakistan or, you know, a.k.a. Thailand, you know, as a stand in for Pakistan, I felt like, you know, we 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 spent so much time there and with not enough character development of the clandestine, like they were just flimsy, flimsy antagonists. You know, the antagonists here in the series were so weak, so weak, quoting Uncle Roger, so weak, you know, like, uh, you know, like, uh, let me let me see if I can't find an Uncle Roger quote in here somewhere. Um, 
you know, so weak. Um, oh, man, I think I know where it is. Sorry, folks. Hiya. Thank you. You know, I need to find, uh, I need to get a quote of him saying, so weak, so weak. But in any event, um, you know, together, damage control and the clandestine were just so weak as 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 antagonists. It was it wasn't convincing. It wasn't. They didn't prove to be um, uh, devious or or or, or, or malcontents or anything of the sort. It was just pretty lame. And just so, police state stuff, kind of. Right. No, I mean, I get that, but it was lame. I, that's right. my opinion. No, no, right? you're, you're, I, no, I'm agreeing lame. with you. Right, 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 and ultimately, I didn't think that the story was well served by the antagonist that uh, Kamala was presented with here. Um, I thought that the 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 way they came up with the Ms. Marvel uh, identity for her, you know, you heard me complain about it before, was so contrived. I was like, I groaned. I was like, oh, that hurts me to my core. But as I said earlier, we don't have a legacy hero identity for her to take up. We don't. It's this is the MCU. It's not the Marvel comic book universe. And so I have to rein in my you know, my my my, my comic book fandom hmm. to always remind myself that these are adaptations and that uh, the bottom line here is that they're looking to Make this story as accessible and as adapt and as um, broad based and 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 uh, 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 um, easy easy to grasp. You know that goes along with accessible mm-hmm. for people who are new to the character, for people who are strictly MCU heads, people who are strictly in the movies and 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 maybe hopping around the Disney Plus shows. So. I you know it like I, I I had a really uneven watch here. This is very similar to my feelings with Moon Knight, where you know I kind of understood where they were going, but I just thought it was like super super uneven. And uh, you know those are my feelings on this show. You know I hope that um, we get more development for uh, Kamala Khan in the Marvels movie, and I hope that they come back with a season two of Ms. Marvel so that they are able to more closely explore her Jersey City roots. Take it away, Roddy Cat. So as far as the name thing is concerned, I'm slightly in agreement with you, but I'm thinking, yeah, they could have, like, there. while there is, there is and there isn't a legacy character. Like, yes, there is not in the setup in the MCU, but at the same time, she spent half of the time um, with Carol Danvers, who's already Captain Marvel, as a as a you know as a role model, she's a fan uh, a fangirl of the of them, and they they didn't even have to go as far as what they did with the with the, with the, with the ginning of the name to her name uh, for that when all they could have said because they because they already set it up um, because even I think Moniba said it when they gave uh, when she gave her the uh, the, the the suit it was like. Now there's this. Well, I don't know if she actually said that, but now, but basically now this is your version of this. You know, uh, uh, your spin on this character, like uh, like she was trying to do for the Avengers Con stuff. You know, she was she was basically trying to put her mark on um, on the cost on her costume, and that could have translated 
into this. And again, Carol Danvers is already there, and there was a Captain Marvel, so they didn't really have to go as far as that. So I'm slightly in agreement with, with, with that. Like they kind of overthought that, maybe. I don't know. Um, as far as the whole watch, I don't know. I, I guess I'm slightly opposite of you with the Moonlight in a way in that I see what you're saying about how it distracted by them going off to this other place to kind of do some stuff as opposed to staying where they were and, and being able to kind of um, do some stuff. Um, and like you, I did like the fact that it was, you know, the cultural stuff was good, I, I thought. And um, it is kind of a bummer that the fact that, yeah, this, you know, one, it's not necessarily how it goes in the comics but you know again you have to kind of uh, put that to the side like you said because it's an adaptation and um you know i feel like these days and times something like that is good to have despite what we may feel as comic fans because one way or another there is not too many um uh, uh, comic book characters like that much less being seen on the big big or small screen so to be able to add cultural touches, touches like that, you know, is is a good thing overall for for uh, for folks. Um, overall, though, I I liked it. I feel like I would would I watch this again? Yeah, probably at some point, maybe closer to when uh, Marvels comes out next next year. Whether it has anything to do with it, you know, anything big to do with it or not. I think the biggest thing that came out of this show was in the last couple of minutes when Bruno uh, dropped that massive, almost massive hint as to, uh, to yep. her uh, genetics, which that part right there is kind of a bummer because I didn't think they would do something like that in a show. Like most of the stuff that's kind of uh, happened in the MCU has been in the movies. And then the shows are kind of like, well, here's some stuff that kind of uh, bled out from that. This is no different, but at the same time, that one massive thing opens up a whole lot of speculation and a whole lot of things that we thought we would have probably gotten in, in Doctor Strange. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and and if you thought it was I'm your baby tonight by Whitney Houston, rest in peace, then you're on the right track. Just, you know, a, a, a slightly different origin for that theme, for that tune. Right. Exactly. So bottom line is, you know, it's okay that, you know, that we differ. I just had a, a, a super uneven view of, of, of this, of this show in total, right. you know, despite the fact, no, I love the representation, you know, the right. representation, I'm here for it. I stand it mm-hmm. and I'm happy for it, but you know, we shouldn't, you know, we, we should be very specific in our criticism. And right. I felt like, um, you know, the, 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 what the the attention they gave to uh, partition and the history and the contrived origin of the powers and the bangle and we still don't know what her powers are and we still don't know you know where they're coming from we still don't know why she has them we just have cl- clues and hints and obviously they do that so that we're left wanting more but it just left me empty and frustrated and annoyed watching this whole season of six episodes right now that being said um actually i have seen like i said you're not wrong in your criticism uh because uh, i would never say that one way or the other but i've also seen someone who is also of a similar descent uh let's say have levied those same uh criticisms about the unevenness of the show 
Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're there for the representation, but yeah, it was kind of an uneven watch for them as well. That being said, um, like I said, the, the the biggest thing to come out of it was the was the potential revelation, and I one I'm kind of worried about the fact of whether how much are they going to do in the Marvels because I feel like that's mm-hmm. putting a lot on uh, it's putting a good bit on it. Um, Two, there was something else I was actually going to uh, mention. Um, um, you mean in terms of story, what they have to develop? Right. Absolutely, or, I agree. So, and I know it, it, it's something that's, that has tended to fall to the, uh, to the movies to do something. Sometimes it's not done well. Because um, like, like you said, we, we still don't know a whole lot about our powers. We got glimpses of it. We got clues and whatnot, but even with that last uh, potential reveal, like there is still so much unanswered and, and, and nothing concrete. And that's leaving a lot for wherever that lands, you know, mm-hmm. like I've seen speculation on, you know, uh, you know, going back to the whole 10, 10 rings thing, going back to Shang-Chi and, uh, you know, all kinds of places that this is could go. We don't really know none of that. And we know the Marvels is coming up and it's got to have something on it clearly, but we don't know what in, in that and what that means going forward in, in, in that. Um, but it's just like a lot of heavy lifting for, um, for matter of fact, hell, we thought the same thing about Dr. Strange and that didn't even do, uh, that only it, did it, it didn't even come it. close to doing what we thought it would do. Exactly. So, I don't know. It's 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 a lot to kind of put on this show, which it, it could have. I don't know. It could have showed the show, show better by not dropping that there. Although I'm not going to sit here and lie to the fact that I didn't enjoy it, that especially that last part. But it kind of lessens the impact of the the rest of the show in a way. Like yeah. I'm I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say that I did not enjoy that. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I I let out an audible groan. I was like, this is a whack way to start my morning. So. <laughs> You know, but you know, you know, it's okay. You know, for us to have differing opinions on this, yeah. so you know, we're 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 okay with the show. Obviously, we right. we have our, our our highlights, you know, in this show, and definitely some lowlights for me. So, uh, you know, we'll, we can move on. And it looks like we're on a break from Marvel TV for a while. I think the next thing out is She Hulk, right? Until next month, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so oh, a little bit of a break. Actually, oh, I was going to mention this. Um, I don't know if you noticed this when you watched uh, spoiler alert for. It's not necessarily a spoiler alert for for Thor. I don't know if you watched the the, the Marvel Studios logo. Uh, Kamala mm-hmm. is actually mm-hmm. in there. Really? Okay, good. Yeah, I I happen to see that, but she's not in the show because obviously they did. I think they did this show at you know before they put that in there. But yeah, I saw it was like, yeah, okay, they put Kamala in the thing, but if she's but if you watch the show, it's, it's she's not there yet. Uh, because the show was before was before Thor, so anyway, yes, we're going to uh, move on from that. If you oh yeah, we're we're exactly a little bit more than a month away from She Hulk, August seventeenth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I actually kind of can't wait for that. We got some news in the in the um um uh, news section about that particular show, and actually, there's going to be a, one or two things I'm going to drop in the uh, clickbait section about Miss Marvel. Um, Hopefully you will have seen it before you read that stuff, though. But we're going to move on to the... Wait, wasn't there something you wanted to do real quick? Like um, Umbrella Academy or something like that? I can't remember. You mentioned something last week that you wanted. Okay, well, fine. We're like going to go... Like The Boys? I the think, season yeah. finale? I thought we talked about that. No, we didn't. 
Because you said you were gonna, you forgot to talk about it, and you were oh the season it. finale of the boys, yeah. Right. So that was crazy. That's pretty much all I have to say about that. It was pretty crazy. I definitely would would ask Roddy Cat to uh, to catch up on it. it. It it shouldn't take too long to catch up on the boys. Um, you know, there's there's some changes in the status quo at the uh, you know with with this with this series with this with this particular season's finale. Mm-hmm. So. I would say that, uh, you know, The Boys is a pretty well-written show, and that is its strongest asset. Uh, the actors are so-so. You know, I'm definitely a big fan of uh, Kimiko, uh, you know, Karen Fukuhara. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the best performance, I think, is Laz Alonzo, the guy that plays Mother's Milk. So, I've been hearing that, actually. Uh, so bottom line is, you know, I would I would I would ask Roddy Cat to, uh, you know, uh, turn turn around and uh, maybe give the boys a shot on Amazon Prime. So, yeah, that's it. OK. In that case, let's get into the books of the week, starting off with Fantastic Four number 45. All right. Fantastic Four number 45 is written by Dan Slott. With art by Fareed Karami, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by our favorite lettering Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. So we are at the, uh, we're, we're in the aftermath. We actually start in the aftermath of the Reckoning War. And we do a super quick flashback to the actual end of the Reckoning War in the midst of this issue. But the opening framing sequence is the aftermath, the return of Benjamin Jacob Grimm to his family, uh, you know, Alicia and the two kids that they rescued from um, the gambling den. I forget, you know, we read a lot of comics. I forget exactly what they call them. But um, but uh, but bottom line is, uh, you know, we find out how the Reckoning War ended. We find out that the, the champions of Earth and the galaxy were able to, uh, you know, make things happen, you know, uh, rescue the, the watchers off of their doomed planet. Uh, Reed was able to survive being ultimately nullified somehow. I, I, that was, I was like, okay, well done. I wouldn't have thought about that. I thought that was kind of, it made sense, but at the same time, I was like, okay, way to, way to comic book this up. Right. Um, I'm glad that the surfer was able to fix one of the things that like I bumped on last issue. Um, I thought that um, I thought it was it was good. Yeah, that this is a little bit of MCUing of the comic book universe where and spoiler alert here, folks. In three, two, one. Where even though in the MCU we have seen multiple Watchers, it seems like we're only ever going to focus on one. And right now, it seems like the Marvel comic book universe is now only going to focus on one Uatu or Uatu the Watcher. You know, having basically deprived all the other Watchers of their powers. Hmm. To be fair, for a long time, we, we only knew about, we only knew and followed this one, so... Sure. It, it, it made mm-hmm. somewhat sense to me, but at the same time, yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the byproducts of the ending of the Reckoning War is that um, something akin to the Source Wall has been knocked down. 
And, uh, you know, this is very, very similar in scope to that DC story where um, the, 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 the extent of the universe, the known universe has, you know, multiplied a thousandfold, a hundred millionfold maybe. And so there are there are going to be more planets out there to explore. There's going to be more galaxies to explore. And that's where they send Galactus and the Silver Surfer. Right. And um, bottom line here is that um, Dan Slott's run on the Fantastic Four is co- quickly coming to a close. It was recently announced. And it was new news to us. And it was news to me and surprising to me that Slot's run was actually going to end with 46, the next issue. This is 45. So um, it seems very apt. It seems very appropriate that Slot is putting most of the toys, not all of the toys, but most of the toys back in the toy box for the next creative team to pick up. Uh, there's still some more... Uh, toys i believe to put back into the toy box in the following issue in the next issue that his last issue on this run but overall i felt like this reckoning war story was pretty strong until it kind of felt forced and rushed at the end yeah i'm glad i'm glad you said that because i thought that exact same thing i'm like like look at me wrong slot has done long runs that felt like uh in a way has gone a little too long at um at times three so I'm glad he, he hasn't done that. And we just got off of a Spidey run by a different creator that was way longer than it probably should have been. So I'm right. kind of glad that this was um, not glad that it's over, but kind of glad that they kind of restrained uh, going into this all of us. But especially when the fact that we got AXE and, um, you know, the gala and other stuff um, going around, I mean, going on right now, which we'll get into in a minute. Um but yeah, I, I also felt it was kind of rushed. I also was like, well, you know, the toys that didn't get put back in the box yet, I guess it that kind of makes some sense. You, I feel like I saw one of them at least coming, put it that way. Because <laughs> uh, as a result of um, putting some one toy, putting one toy back in the box, another one kind of got left to the wayside and I knew that was going to happen. And I was like, well, okay, so that was the only, thing, only other way that could happen. Mm. Um, outside of that, uh, I don't know why I, I hit up on this, but there was one thing that happened. I'm not going to spoil it, but uh, there was something that happened with a character because of um, because of uh, the Forever Gate, which has been a thing in the, the coming, in this book for a while, that they did with it and i'm saying well not with the gate specifically but you know as a result of them being on one side of it and i'm seeing like wait so you mean to tell me you did all that just for that although there could be more to it than what there could be a tease or something uh to to a a character going back to their former glory Mm -hmm. so to speak but at the same time it's like wait so you did all that just for just for that i'm like what is what why (laughs) <laughs> doom needs no reasons no no doom no not doom not doom no. Not that. oh no Mm-mm, no i'm thinking about the one of the kids mm. what they did when they were uh before they came through the gate but right, no right, doom right. the doom thing it was like okay yeah that's open up something i'm i wouldn't i would expect that to be no other way than to, to doom to, to doom be doom put it that way <laughs> so at that part i wasn't surprised about it, but no it was this other character that did what they did it was like that's a, okay sure that's what you wanted to get out of this as opposed to 
But then again, like I said, we don't know. There could be more going on to that than, than we know. Right, so spoiler like... alert then. Spoiler alert then. Here we go. I guess we're going to find out if Franklin made himself a mutant again. Right. Gotcha. So, because the, cause even what he was saying, it was like, uh, before he went through, it was like, yeah, you accept me as, as I go do this. But then the only thing we actually saw was him changing the hair color to black permanently. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, there seems to be... There seems to be something that suggests that he possibly could have made himself a mutant again, but we don't know that right now. So that part was like, okay, well, I guess we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll see if that's actually the case. But but like I said, the hair color thing was like, if that was the only thing you did, and and you didn't put bring back your powers, like that's that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> mm-hmm, 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 At any rate, okay. this was a strong book, like Agent Seventy said, and um, you know, it's sad to see the the toys get put back into the box, but at the same time, at some point, it had to happen. Right, um, and we right. don't know it who just the... felt the touch rushed, and that's yeah. really the biggest complaint. And I'm and I'm very curious about one if some of that stuff is actually going to get um, brought back uh, uh, by the, whoever the next creative team is going to be, uh, which we don't know at this point. But I guess we're going to find out fairly soon because you know, so we only got one more issue left with slot. Right. Okay, so we only have a few. I just thought about it. Hold on for a second. I just thought about something. Solicits came out that should have. Should have said something, but by now, right? I didn't look at them. Yeah, I guess I mean neither. So, yeah, because I feel like we would or we would have seen an article about the next creative team, but maybe we didn't. Either way, go we'll go on to the next one. Right. I was gonna say we ha- we have a few books in common this week, um, but what Roddy Cat and I were talking about just before the show, just before we started recording, is that unbeknownst to me. There's an actual reading order here mm-hmm. when it comes to the X-related books this week. And so I would suggest we try to follow that but go quickly because I think that we can start with a broad overview of the X-books and then we'll do rapid fire. Mm. Actually, I was going to go the other way with that, but sure, we can. So Wait, you want to do Moon Knight? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. All right, like, let's do Moon Knight. Let's do Moon Knight because then it's a little less complicated. Right. Go ahead. Oh, I'll uh, I'll, I'll get the um, the uh, the creative team in here. It's written by Moon Knight number thirteen. is written by Jed McKay with art by Federico Sabatini, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Take it away, Roddy Cat. So I enjoyed this issue for for one reason and one reason only to 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 to. See the see and uh, read the reverence and the that uh, Taskmaster has for uh, for Moon Knight apparently because he ain't trying to mess with him, um, which rightly rightly so you know because that was kind of part of the part of the issue. Um, Taskmaster gets hired by. Have we seen this tutor person before, or as I'm blanking on who? Because I'm sitting here like I don't remember if we if we touched on this person before. I don't think so. It may have been a character that was in the shadows, but I right. don't think this character has appeared before. I think I, I felt like this was the first time we've run into this character, but right. obviously this is one of the characters that's been in the shadows with this with the reemergence of vampires and vampirism right. um, in the pages of this book over the last year. 
Right. Okay. So I'm so I'm not alone in that. Okay. Good. Because I'm right. like, wait, did I miss something here? So yeah. So we get I guess introduced to this person who uh, tries to send Taskmaster to somebody uh, after after Moon Knight, but you know Taskmaster was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, nah. Uh, and as uh, Agent Seventy said, yeah, vampires are back into play, which apparently Mark is um had, was interrogating some to find uh, to find the person who's trying to, to do, who's hunting them down which is this Tudor person. So um, that was pretty much the crux uh, of this book and leading to the end of this issue where we meet two people, I guess I'm going to assume these are new characters. I don't think I've ever seen them before. I think so too. Yeah. So who's probably going to go up against, uh, I guess they even, they even kind of telegraphed it. Now that I think about it was, it was was something said in conversation about uh, bringing in new people. So uh, I guess I probably should have seen that coming. Uh, but yeah, at the end of this uh, issue, we we uh, find out that there's going to be two uh, two folks going after Mark on the behest of this tutor person, and I guess we'll find out about them uh, next issue. All right. All right. One of them looks like Sabretooth. Yeah. But, um, other than that, I was kind of like, I don't know if I, I I didn't bother to Google whether or not this character is new or not. So I think they're both. I, I yeah, I didn't either. Unless I've but I feel like I suspect that they're both new. So I'm like, yeah, we'll find out about more about them next, uh, next, right. next year. All right. So part of me, part of me, and, and, and this is me taking shots at the black widow movie for, for doing what they did with the taskmaster concept. Um, you know, and, and, and when, and, and I bring this up, I, mean, I brought this up when we watched the movie and we talked about the movie because the Tony masters character has had some really great writing associated with him from his little miniseries to this issue. Mm-hmm. And I want to say Jed McKay is behind all of it. You actually might be right. I, to, what I, I, I want to say Jed McKay has had a ton of fun writing the, the comic book version of Taskmaster. And bottom line here is that this is the character that should be getting some screen time, not some, and hopefully based on how the Black Widow movie ended, maybe there's room for this version of the Taskmaster character to emerge. Hmm. That's just, you know, that's my two cents, folks. Guess what? You are right. He that's was the one who wrote, yeah, the, wrote that mini. Yep. So, yeah, we like Jim McCary, you know, from what he did with Black Cat to, to that to Taskmaster, um, I mean, to what he's doing with uh, to with Moon Knight. You know, his, his, his writing has been pretty good for, for certain characters. Like, make you feel for characters you didn't think you were cared about uh i mean you would care about yeah he makes them sympathetic right um so i mean obviously i don't know about you but i I, i've always liked taskmaster to a point and Mm -hmm. i I think at a certain point they were like oh they just used him as as the beginning issue of an arc i mean uh, of an arc it's kind of fodder like it was kind of a bummer when i think as you said uh, before like taskmaster used to be kind of a big deal you know going up against some some folks like he even says in this book, I was like, yeah, I usually poke at Cap or or Daredevil and Spidey and all that kind of good myth, you know, just to kind of see him get get um, uh, relegated. Right, it's kind of a bummer, but it's nice to see nice to see old Tasky getting some shine, uh, or not necessarily shine, but you know, getting some uh, getting, getting some play. character work. Yeah. So that being said, uh, we can go on to I guess now we can go on to the to the to the Xbox. And where did you want to start off with? Um, you think it's fair to start off with the Hellfire Gala? Yeah, I think totally fair. Yeah. 
So the X-Men Hellfire Gala number one is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Chris Anka, Russell Dowderman, Matteo Loli, and C.F. Villa. Colors are by Rain Barreto, Frank Martin, and Matt, uh, Matt Miller, and Matthew Wilson. And letters are by VC's Corey Pettit. So this is the second uh, X-Men Hellfire Gala. I don't think that this one was as filled with um, guest appearances from like pop culture as the first one was. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're right. But but again, I think that was also, I mean, I think we still, I presume we still have some other issues that are going to explore the gala a little bit more, just like they did last year. Right. So there it's probably just, that was just the opening salvo. Right. So bottom line here is uh, some of the developments at the end of the previous volume of X-Men, right? The last, the last ride for the, 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 the first group of X-Men who were elected to the X-Men squad uh, from the first Hellfire Gala. Uh, some of the developments in that come to light to the rest of the world and the rest of Krakoa here. And I hope that Roddy Cat had read that issue and caught up on that because I know I talked about it the la- uh, last week. And this, I believe, happened two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Wait, I'm sorry. Which, which issue? From X-Men number 12. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Right. Remember, I skirted around it because did. I didn't want to spoil it for you. Right. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, but yeah. I, I think last week I talked about it directly, and I, I hope you weren't you weren't spoiled by what I was saying. No, no, no. You were good. Okay. Good. 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 So, but here the ramifications start to rear their heads, and uh, you know, especially the t- with the timing of the second Hellfire Gala coming, and so we have several guests uh, looking to inquire about the newly immortal X-Men, no pun intended here. There is a party crasher that is looking to make her way in and uh, tries to use a known commodity in the Marvel Universe to do so. And that, uh, you know, that, that draws in some uh, Spider-Man action. Bottom line here is that we have a new X-Men team elected. It is not who you think it would be. I was very surprised to see this group. Um, I know that um, there are some callbacks in this issue to some older Marvel issue, older issues of Marvel canon. Let's put it that way. Yes. You know, uh, going, you know, going to the nineties and the eighties. And so, you know, you, uh, uh, if you're not familiar with it, you know, that it's time to hit the Googles and maybe consult your handy dandy Marvel Unlimited app. N- you know, we're not we're not being uh, sponsored here. It's just something that we talk about all the time. It is a tool. Yes. <coughs> Bottom line. Is that I felt like this was a good issue to help set up a multitude of. Of directions that they're going in, and to also advance some of the stories that have been uh, to this point continuing over the course of the X Men books, and it's been a little difficult for us. I have to admit, it's been a little difficult for us as the Comic Book Chronicles to keep up with the X books because I fell off of Marauders, I fell off of a lot of the Nightcrawler-based stuff. I know Ryder Cat tries to give that stuff a shot. But it feels like most of the major storylines were advanced in this issue. Uh, you know, I, I keep up with X-Force, the main X-Men book, you know, and Immortal X-Men. So I, I feel like most of the stories in those three books were advanced here in this, in this issue. 
Uh, Radhika, what did you think? So, um, yeah, I, going back to what you just said, yes, I try to keep up with some of that stuff because there are some things, the, the whole, there was a lot. We, as Agent said, said, we read a lot. There's a lot in the, even in the X corner of his books, in the, of the books. And sometimes that lends to be like little things that end up coming up later in the big books, the quote unquote big books that kind of start in, on the side of books, uh, that, um, you know, you might end up missing if you're watching it. Uh, uh, if you're not reading. That said, I'm not reading everything because I'm not reading Wolverine, and there's some stuff that's actually a case in point because, as I recall, uh, Agent 70 has talked about some stuff in the past that has kind of come to be a big thing from uh, Wolverine and Wolverine-related books. Right. Yeah, Wolverine kind of ties into what's going on in X-Force mm-hmm. because they're both written by Benjamin Percy. Right. And I have, and I do keep up with uh, uh, X Force, even though I think I'm still might be uh, an issue to provide. But that being said, I also enjoyed this issue. Um, I also find it funny because there's always a callback to redheads uh, mm-hmm. in the X Force, and I believe it was if if it wasn't in this issue, it was in uh, Immortal from this week's where where Sinister was like, yeah, there's always, there's always X-Men in those redheads. Um, but I can't remember which one because like his stuff is blurring together. Um, uh, and we do get, I think I just sort of may or may not have said, we do get the introduction to the new team, of which partially I am happy to see because there are some amazing friends on that team. Yes, 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 yes. Um, who I believe have not uh, shared the stage together in a good minute. Uh, not since that was... Iceman... Nice as the right, Iceman no, there issue. was that one shot with Spidey where where they brought them together and they just made like snide hints at them being amazing friends. Right. Do you remember that? Like from a few years back? Yeah, but yeah, but I think that was before. Yeah, I think that was bef- might have been before this issue. I'm talking about of, uh, of Iceman where they kind of came back uh, in for for one issue. Um, oh no, maybe yes. that was that issue of Iceman. Maybe we were thinking of the same thing. We might be. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um... But yes, that being said, though, like yeah, there've been hits. As a matter of fact, there's an um, article uh, in the clickbait section about that whole, uh, not about that, but uh, kind of stuff around that whole thing. Regardless, uh, just to, to, um, to end what I thought, is like, yeah, I enjoyed this. It, it is definitely uh, if you are the type of person who's trying to keep up with the X books and um, whatever the events that are going on right now, this is probably a, a place to start because it's going, it's, it's definitely filtering into, um, another event that, uh, that is also going on at the same time, as well as stuff that's going on in the, uh, X corner that is in yep. relation to that event and, um, a plot point. Something. Right. That event is literally around the corner. Yeah, I mean, we got one issue. It's uh, the summer, right? It's the summer event, you know. Right. So basically, the Hellfire Gala issue leads right into the next uh, Marvel event for the summer. Um, how about we do the other related? Because New Mutants this week's not related, Wolverine's not related, but Immortal X Men number four is related. Yes, go for it. So it's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Michelle Bandini, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So this issue really approaches what happens around the events of uh, the Hellfire Gala from uh, Emma Frost's perspective, right? So it's very much an an Emma Frost-centered issue, everything from just before the gala to something that happens during the gala, surprisingly, um, as the result of the, uh, the the news leaking out about uh, the immortality of the X Men, 
And uh, I was I was pretty surprised to see that. Uh, we do have some developments that are happening here uh, based on the reveal from X-Men number 12 um, with um, uh, Sinister and um, uh, possibly another version, possibly the original version. You know, that is a big mystery that is left open still. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, we get a lot of that here in this issue. You know, obviously, Immortal X-Men has revolved around the kind of Game of Thrones style uh, politicking around the Quiet Council. And this issue does not disappoint with that because Sinister has always been that questionable character that sits on the council and is obviously looking to stab everyone on the council in the back. And they know Uh, it. I'm sorry? I said I didn't feel like they know it, that that he is. So bottom line here is that's that that's the, the 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 bulk of the issue and that is the point of the issue. Do you have anything to add? So the only thing I have to add is the fact that I find it funny because I think even in this issue kind of mentions it. Last year there was a whole bunch of news because of the whole Iraqo thing and um, the, the the mutant drug that um, that uh, that they gave the people of Earth. Uh, and going into this, there was like, well, yeah, we don't have any news, so it's good, just good that we just disappear. And then, of course, the events of uh, X Men Twelve kind of uh, uprooted that. So the the uh, the the mutants are now in the mood, uh, the um, uh, in the news for something um, bigger than than last year's uh, than, than that last year's news unintentionally. So I, I found that part kind of funny. But yeah, this is definitely a, a, a potential click of the week for me. I will go so far as to say. Well, excuse me, between this and the Hellfire Gala, Gala because they, they're they're definitely probably should be read t- together. And there is a reading order in the back of the book uh, for to for folks who want to keep up with that stuff. And they've been good about keeping up with the Xbooks with a reading order because stuff yeah. tends to tie into each other. So it's worth checking that out. Right, I totally blew it with this, you know, with this sit, you know, when I, when I sat down to read these books yesterday, mm-hmm. totally blew it. I read Immortal first and I was like, "What? I, I guess this too. is tying right into Hellfire Gala, which is last on my list because I'm reading things in alphabetical order." Right. So, and I did the same thing, but like I said, I had, I had actually looked at um, cuz I kind of figured Immortal was going to go into the um, the the Gala book, which it kind of did, but at the same time, the, it also goes back the other way, but the the reading order um kind of uh shed some light on the the other big event which is like i said uh, you would probably want to read hellfire and and this before that so we were both kind of uh screwed in a way uh because of that but anyway like i said if you get a chance to read them definitely check out the, the reading order um uh, in the back of the book that being said uh let's see. Do we have any other books? Or is that it? We're going to wrap it. No, they're just the AXE. Okay, so yeah, we'll do that real quick. And and we'll do this one quick. Yeah. So it's written by Kieran Gillen, you know, just like Immortal X Men, with art by Pasquale Ferry, colors by Dean White, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So as the title implies, this is the eve of the Judgment Day event that is going to run through um, several corners of the marvel universe but it's going to revolve around the avengers the x-men and the eternals um and uh you know we get the opening salvo of the eternals move moves against the x-men in this issue and i messed up because i read this first 
I was like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen here. Same. And then something happens at the end of this issue. And I was like, oh, when is this going to be revealed in the Xbox? And of course, later on in my reading, I found out exactly when it happened. I did the exact same thing. Yep. So, you know, I'm kind of, I feel more frustrated about Marvel trying to make the Eternals happen than I did when Marvel was trying to make the Inhumans happen. Hmm. I think it's because I just had a closer, I had more of an affinity for Black Bolt, Medusa, and Lockjaw, just the just those three characters, than any and all of these Eternals. And I think that's the biggest problem I have. I just do not care uh, about what's going on with these Eternals. Um, I'm I'm just having a lot of trouble, you know, getting into the story, and that's just me. You know, it, they just don't seem all that sympathetic. I understand that Druig is doing Druigy things, you know, this version of Druig. And I know that um, uh, Uranos is, is a big deal because that's a character that was um, being, mani- uh, being consulted by Thanos in the regular Eternal series that Gillen was writing. And I did my best to try to keep up with the Eternal series that Gillen was writing, but I just couldn't keep up. Like I said, I just don't care enough about the Eternals. And it's just difficult for me, you know. Uh, to not have any touchstone characters, any touchstone characters to care about in the on, you know on the roster of the Eternals, so that's that's my those are my thoughts. No, I agree. The only one that would that would almost qualify for that for me was Cersei, and this is not the same Cersei as uh, this is technically not even the same Cersei that was on the Avengers like decades ago. Uh, Kinda is, kinda isn't. Put it that way, because they there there is a, a little touch of the MCU with these uh, this version of the Eternals now, and therein they've kind of softened her up a little bit to being she's so kind of the hedonist that she was then, but they don't really play that up all that all that much. So right, uh, all right, that whole storyline with the Black Knight they might revisit. Yes, maybe because because of what happened in the MCU, but you know we don't know yet. So yeah. it's like I said. You know, I guess Rycat does bring up Cersei as like that one touchstone character, but I wasn't all that attached to her in the nineties. Right. You know, it's not Lockjaw. It's not Lockjaw. Right. Well, it's see, not Black Bolt, you know, being super intimidating and quiet, you know. Right. And, and that Black Bolt series that Saladin Ahmed did, you know, did a uh, went a long way in me really, you know, rooting for Black Bolt. Yes. And it really sucks that the, the the humans were were done away with the way they have been basically right because of their failure in the MCU or on Marvel television so um but well, in any event you know that's uh uh those are my feelings on AXE Vodicat did you have anything else to add so I was going to kind of agree with you with the with the inhumans thing but also that was that whole thing with hey they didn't because of the fact that Fox had the mutant uh, had the the license for the X-Men is the why they tried to make uh inhumans happen the way they did right. Uh, both in the MCU and in the comics, uh, which, hey, we got a couple of other good characters out of it also, as opposed to the, the Roy family that was already there that we that we know and love. So there was that. But at same, but I'm that say that to say that I, I'm in agreement with um, with Age uh, of Seventy about that because like yeah, Eternals they were a thing at one point, and, and even back in the day when they kind of were of a slight bigger thing, they weren't really all that. Like they kind of came and went. They had their own thing going on, and it was always them versus the deviants. And sometimes they would cross over with the Avengers or whatever the case may be, and that kind of stuff. But I thought of that, I was like, all right, this is just another set of semi godlike people, and just like wasn't really much to them. 
And right. that's still kind of the case, even though we have the Eternals, which we never thought we'd see on the screen, big screen. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's still kind of lesser characters. And they totally dropped the ball on the Inhumans, which is, as we said with Miss Marvel, have, um, was a big bummer on so many levels because of, you know, uh, now that uh, Marvel has the, the mutants life, uh, license back, it's like, oh, well, we're all mutants. We're going to be all mutants all the time now, as opposed to what caused them to get to the point to where they weren't couldn't use mutants in the first place in the MCU. And again, the whole MCU uh, the vacation of the books is kind of a problem because yeah, of the that. MCUification. That's our our term. Yeah, because of that, it's like well. You know, but here we are, and sadly, here's where we're going to be for the foreseeable future. And that part is kind of always going to be a thing that we're going to come back to. There's nothing wrong with being critical of the approach and the direction they're going in. You know, we have very specific qualms and specific issues to take up with the direction these books are going in. Hmm. But uh, bottom line is uh, this is the sound effect I've got. Yeah, and we can move on to rapid fire. I think. Yeah, I was about to say whether AXC ends up being something or not. Who's to say? We'll probably keep a keep a finger on it. But I'm. It's, it's going to be all summer. It's right. going to be all summer. It's going to reach into all corners of the Marvel universe. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was about to say. So we'll definitely have no choice but to kind of keep our finger on it one way or the other. But I'm. Yep. I don't know whether this is going to be anything or not. But now let's go into rapid fire. I ain't got time to breathe. All right. Would you like me to go first? Sure. Go for it. Sure. Uh, first up for me is Daredevil number one. Uh, it's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Cacchetto, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So we literally pick up right where we left off uh, on from uh, the previous issues of Daredevil as well as um, uh, that miniseries whose name I cannot recall right now. Um Devil's Reign. Devil's Reign. Thank you. Could not remember. It's been months. That's the thing since Devil's Reign ended. So, you know, in one year, not the other. Right. But bottom line here is Daredevil and Elektra are looking to uh, take up a different direction in their lives. One of the best parts about this issue is that it has a lot of Spidey in it because, you know, it basically reinforces the daredevil and spidey partnership that has kind of gone by the wayside especially because of ock and because of other things going on in spidey's life and stupid ben riley and all this other stuff but you put peter and matt back together kicking you know kicking butt knocking heads you know kicking butt and taking names or 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 kicking heads and and wait how did how did mantis put it i forget but um but bottom line here is, uh, you know, we have uh, a lot of threads being picked up from Devil's Reign and the previous volume of Daredevil and also setting up the future of Daredevil and Elektra going forward. So um, it's a pretty strong first issue, but it does require you, the reader, to have kept up with Devil's Reign and with the previous Daredevil volume. So this is basically a straight up continuation of that. Whether or not it's a e- whether or not it's an easy issue for a first time reader to pick up, it's hard to say because of that. It just is. But I enjoyed it because I have been keeping up with it. Um it's, you know, it was a pretty 
pretty fun book to catch up. You know, the, uh, the Daredevil here is, uh, uh, you know, the, the, this version of Daredevil, this, the, you know, the developments that have come in his life have made this version of Daredevil, you know, kind of more fun to, to, to catch up with. Next up is New Mutants number 27. It's written by Vita Ayala with art, the main art by Rod Reese, flashback art by Jan Dersima. The colors on the flashbacks are by Ruth Redman because Rod Reese does his own colors, and letters are by VC's Travis Lanham. So, this Vita Ayala story has been pretty strong. I don't know if Roddy Cat has been keeping up with it. Yes. Right. So, you just didn't get to it this week because we just had a lot of books to read. But oh, no, I did. This... I did. I read it. Oh, you did read it. Okay, yeah. thanks. So you can you can you can uh, pop in and uh, at any time with uh, what you think of this issue because I thought that uh, the strongest parts of this issue were the parts that weave together what we knew of Ilyana's time in uh, limbo. Uh, you know, it's 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 not you know it's always been sort of filled in here and there. I don't think we have like the best description of it, but I felt like this. This story arc does a lot to fill in a lot of the blanks that we uh, that we have in uh, Ileana's time in Limbo. Right. You so, know, it's told through told through a storytelling co- uh, convention of um, of uh, is it C.S. Lewis? Yes, partially. Yes. Yeah. The Alice in Wonderland. That's story, the yeah. that's the storytelling. That's the framing uh, mechanism that Vida yes. Ayala uses. Yes. So, yeah, so what this thing made me do, actually, because there was, and I think I alluded to this the, the last time uh, we talked about New Mutants, is that um, uh, this is uh, taking from, as Agent 7 said, taken from Yalan's time in Limbo, which was chronicled in uh, a miniseries back in late 80s? Right, called Magic, right? Right, yeah. It was, the, it was either Magic or Magic and Storm. I can't remember, but I think it was it was the Magic miniseries, regardless, because um, she was the, the focal point of it. Uh, and as Agent Seven said, like this story is filling in stuff that wasn't really uh, wasn't mentioned there. Which I say all that to say that this is making me want to go back and read that because I don't think I've read that originally. I had intended to, for some reason. I wasn't. I think at the time I wasn't like. I was in a certain part of the um, Xbox, but not all of it. I can't remember when. This, if this was in the nineties, there was that was the standard reason why I didn't. But if it was like early eighties or literally, it's like late eighties. I think it was from. I want to say part. late eighties. Yeah, I want to say late eighties and maybe early, maybe possibly early nineties. But my right. gut says late eighties because I didn't read it. I actually inherited it in a collection that I was given. Mm-hmm. So I do own those issues. I just have never read them. So yeah. I may just dive into Marvel Unlimited and check that out. Again, we are not sponsored by Marvel Unlimited. Exactly. Which, which was the, the, the reason why I mentioned that. Because it's like, okay, it's, yeah. Because I, Iyana, I like, I love the mutants. We talked about it when we did the uh, the Evergreen uh, uh, episode a couple of years ago. Or was it? Uh, yeah, look at, man, that was a while ago. Regardless. Yeah. Um, yeah, the you earliest know. part of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, man, that was like two years ago. Good gracious, oof. Yep. Uh, either way, um, so continue to love the the, the new mutants now, and having this kind of flesh her out her backstory a little bit more, you know, and um, w- was a, a great story. So if you are, you know, if you, if you enjoy that character, uh, you should definitely check out this arc uh, for that, and probably like we're going to do is to go go back and check that miniseries. Right. Oh. All right. Next up for me is Punisher number four. It's written by Jason Aaron with pencils by Jesus Saiz, inks by Paul Azacheta, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So in this issue, there is definitely a turn in the story where Frank 
seemed to be under the thrall of the hand. He seemed to be, um, you know, under heavy influence. He seems to not be in control of his faculties. In this issue, though, we're starting to see that turn. And whether or not that turn comes anytime soon, um, it's what it is. Uh, it's interesting that uh, there is a panel with Frank in it in that first Daredevil issue uh, by Zdarsky and Chiketo this week. And obviously, uh, you know, with Frank as the, as the, as the, the fist of the hand and uh, uh, Daredevil and Elektra being, you know, the opposition to the hand, looking to take the hand down, we're, we're anticipating a showdown at some point. So the bottom line here is, you know, we're starting to see cracks in what the, uh, the hand ha- seemingly have done to Frank Castle and, uh, you know, the, uh, the current status quo, the current state of Frank's uh, mental and his, um, uh, let's say, resurrected character loved one um, that is, uh, you know, in, probably going to be in flux very soon. I'll leave it at that. Last but not least for me is Wolverine number 23. It's written by Benjamin Percy with art by Adam Kubert, colors by Frank Martin, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So this is the last issue with with um, the with guest appearance from uh, Deadpool. Wolverine and Deadpool have been uh, up against danger. Um, I forget that, that, that song... Um, that, uh, that that I was just thinking of danger, but uh, you know danger. If you recall, was the uh, sentient uh, danger room that appeared in I want to say it was the Joss Whedon Astonishing X Men run. That sounds right. And uh, you know some stuff happens over the course of these past few issues. But bottom line here is that uh, all's well that ends well. There's some hijinks involving uh, Deadpool and Wolverine here. We also get um, a tease at the end of the issue for upcoming X-Force issues where, you know, as I said earlier, Benjamin Percy is writing both the Wolverine book and X-Force. So it's not like uh, Roddy Cat's missing too much from Wolverine if he's keeping up with X-Force. So uh, bottom line here is that it seems like Deadpool is going to be guest starring in the X-Force issues that, um, that cross over into this AXE uh, event uh, this summer. And that's it for me. So I'm going to assume you meant Blase Blah uh, Danger as opposed to Mysticals Danger because I feel like... You no, I think it. I was thinking of Mystical. Were you? Huh. Okay. I think so. I think so. Watch yourself. Yeah. Right? That's yeah, what I was thinking yeah. of. Okay. Okay. I was thinking, I was like, all right, I'm I was thinking more hip hop than well, I mean they're both hip hop, but I was thinking more more when the East is in the house. Oh my God, danger! Oh no 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 no! I was thinking of Mr. Cal. Gotcha. Okay, cool, Mr. Cal. Cool. Nice. But uh, um, but yeah, listen, it's funny that we have two <laughs> different references for danger. Mm-hmm. And I think one came from the other. I'm almost certain. When the East is all, you know, when the East is in the house. Oh my God, danger! Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, off you go, Roddy Cat. I am Batman. Number 11. I'm not really Batman, but hey, you know, there there you go. Uh, Written by John Ridley. Yes, that John Ridley. Uh, Art by Kristen Deuce and Tom Derenick. Colors by Rex Locus. Letters by Troy Pateri. So after the events of last issue, um, 
um, Detective Chubb and this other detective who were as at odds with each other both get uh, questioned about what happened with the whole man race situation and uh, in between themselves, which leads uh, one of them to be the the stereotypical stereotypical hey you better watch your back we don't you know cops don't squeal on each other or not squeal on each other but you know cops don't you know you know cops don't cop on each other basically which leads to something that happens later on in the issue uh with chubbiner the um partner but at the other side of this we get uh, to see jace and Vol try to i guess set up their version of the the bat cave their or their bat cave uh, in some abandoned terminal or something, I don't know. Uh, and uh, the other side of this, we see um, uh, uh, Jason's sister Tam back on her feet, uh, but the, the apparently needed wanting to stay in New York. So I guess this is what's the, partially the thing that's keeping them there in the first place. Um, because you know, going back to Gotham, based on what everything has happened, is going to take a while. But uh, we also get an appearance by one Renee Montoya. Uh, who um, may be uh, coming into the fold of this book in the same, in, in a similar situation uh, as she was in the Bat books previously, which uh, Detective Chubb uh, uh, doesn't really care too much about because of what happened between them before uh, going into this this uh, version, of the version of the book. So that's kind of a thing. Um and also we get the reappearance of, which I don't know, maybe the, 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 this has been around, but um, the, the question kind of comes back into play uh, at the end of this. So that's always good to see re, re, both Renee Montoya and her version of uh, that character come into play. For what reason? We'll find out. Uh, next up, uh, Captain Carter, number four. So this is that... Um, um, Peggy Carter, Captain America uh, book. You haven't been reading this, have you? You didn't? Really care to, yeah. This has actually been uh, an, an interesting book, kind of. Um, in this particular issue, actually, uh, let's see, it's written by Jim McElvey, art by Marika Cresta, color artist Matt Miller, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So basically, there's a team up between uh, Peggy Carter and Tony Stark, who Tony Stark in this in this particular um, world seems to be more machine man in a way than, than the Tony Stark from the, from the six one six in that let's just say there's more body modifications of the technical kind than we know he has had in the, uh, in the, um, the regular universe. So there is that. And then there's this whole cover up thing with the prime minister that is uh, going on uh, and we, at the end of this issue, we found out there's more to this uh, prime minister uh, than uh, not necessarily meets the eye, but apparently does meet uh, than meets the eye, which is also kind of weird now that I think about it. Uh, but I think they, that's probably been explained. Uh, there's a supernatural spin that is going on uh, with uh, the, the the prime minister and um, what he's trying to do in this universe that Peggy's going to go up against. And this is the penultimate issue, so there's only one more left. So we'll see how that uh, um, uh, plays out in the last issue. Star Wars, The Mandalorian, number one. 
Uh, it is written by Rodney Barnes, pencils by George Yonti, uh, inks by Carl Story, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, if you're expecting an all-new story, as far as we know, or as far as I know right now, at this point, you're not going to get it. This is basically a retelling of the, uh, the, the, the first season of The Mandalorian. The first, more specifically, the first episode of the first season. And that's all this pretty much is. Uh, even uh, going to the end of the, the the end of that first issue where it ends off. So, if you wanted to read the, that in the comic book form, here you go. Uh, let's see. And actually, that is it for me. So we can go to the clicks of the week. Yeah, it's interesting that Rodney Barnes is on this. You know, that Rodney Barnes is uh, mm-hmm. you know the writer of Philadelphia, which yep. I've been following for a few years now. And uh, he is, you know, he's one of the showrunners of that uh, that Lakers uh, Showtime show that was just on HBO. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's interesting to see that Rodney Barnes was tapped to uh, adapt the uh, first season of The Mandalorian. We'll see. You know, I would I would I would say, to, you know, take a look at the next issue and see if they literally are doing a beat for beat retelling of the first season of The Mandalorian throughout I- this. I would say, judging by the way this ended, I would go so far as to say absolutely. Because there's no way in the world they're going to deviate from where they left this issue off. Okay. So. All right. So that means we are uh, going into Clicks of the Week. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, two clicks from our um, absentee hosts. Um, neither of them are surprising good nonetheless uh from dirt we got moon knight number 13 which i don't think he he didn't say anything no uh, okay yeah just no sometimes you give a little note with uh right. i picked it but it did not and from tim we got x-men hellfire gala number one two strong pretty strong picks i agree i agree um, for myself i'm kind of teetering between hellfire gala fantastic four uh, 45 and possibly new mutants. I really enjoyed daredevil. Number one, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, there's something about the Spidey and daredevil reunion, uh, reunion that, de- that did make me feel so good. You know, they were reunited mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I really did enjoy reading that, but at the same time, I feel like X-Men hellfire gala. Number one did so much storytelling and did so much movement from you know it had so many plates to spin yeah and it kept them spinning and moving right into axe the summer event i think x-men hellfire gala number one is going to be my click of the week as well this week nice and i got a got a spider-man wolverine uh team up out of that also right right call back to the 80s uh spider-man wolverine comic book Right, and you mentioned that I totally forgot because uh, up until I read that part, I was like, "Oh shoot, I had forgotten all of it." Because I remember reading that joint. As a matter of fact, I may still have it somewhere around here. But, um, but yeah, I was like, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I did not buy that until many, 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 many years later. Right, I remember seeing it on the stand. I was like, oh, "That looks so cool!" But it was uh, like a prestige format book, right. so it was like you know, this is back when comics were like seventy-five cents. 
something. And like I think that, that yeah. book cost like two fifty or a dollar. You know, it just costs more than I wanted to spend. Right. So I was like, you know what? I could get two books for the price of this. I'm I'm gonna get two <laughs> books. Yeah. I mean, I think I actually end up. This is kid logic, but it's real logic. I mean, it's yeah, that's, that's real talk right there. Um, I think I also ended up buying it later, but I remember reading it because it was probably in uh, like a bookstore. Or, you know, before they started wrapping up everything, you know, right. where it could just thumb through it and it's like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> no, at this point, at this point in my I, in my life, I was actually going to a regular comic book store, right. and I had uh, store credit, right, that I was building, but I you know, I did not want to have a pull list because I didn't want to commit to anything, and right. uh, you know, I didn't commit to a pull list for many many years after that. So, right, well, yeah, and I think I didn't actually. I mean, yeah, I was also going to a, um, a comic book store, but also I was thinking like, okay, yeah, these two characters were, if I'm not mistaken, around that time, were probably at the height of uh, their popularity. Probably one, mm-hmm. one probably gaining more than the other at, at this time. Right. Um, and I was like, well, this is a book that's sure, whatever. Even though, and even, and I had a little bit more of an affinity to one of the characters than I did than I do now because that's why I'm not reading Wolverine. Um, even though I still like the character, but you know he was all over the place for a while. That's why I kind of cut off of him. Either way, I'm stalling. I think, um, yeah, I think I'm gonna go with uh, Hellfire Gala also because there was a lot in that, and it was actually interesting. And plus, like I said, the new team with the amazing friends. I'm always down for that. So, uh, and with that, folks, uh, we are going to go into the news. But first, uh, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko, Fun at First Sight, your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as their custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. I'm going to start off with the cinematic news as we do. Uh, Miss Marvel star uh, calls attempted review bombing laughable, which I, I would agree with that because it always is. Um, apparently, uh, Iman Bellani was addressing some of the toxic feedback that the show's re- re- uh, received, including re- review bombing on sites like IMDb and Metacritic, which if you've um, been around this show for a long time, I don't like Metacritic at all or Rotten Tomatoes, but that's just me. Uh, quote, I am not on social media. Uh, I hear things that my mom tells me, though. It's honestly quite laughable, and I think uh, change is scary for a lot of people. And having a show that surrounds a 16-year-old who's Pakistani and Muslim and a superhero is scary for a lot of folks, for a lot of people, excuse me. Uh, I think this is going to rip the Band-Aid off, uh, and hopefully people will fall in love with her. Uh, Valani added that she knew this was going to happen going into the show, but that she only cared about constructive criticism, not hatred, and that's just purely for the sake of hating, in quotes. So, good on her. Good on her. You know. Absolutely, absolutely. That's why we're, we're doing our best to keep our criticism specific. Yes. Next up. Our next up, Hawkeye's Haley Steinfeld is reportedly returning for multiple MCU projects. So Kate Bishop will be back in as the new Avenging Archer 
with Haley Steinfeld reprising her Hawkeye role in more upcoming projects. Variety reported the news amidst its 2022 Emmy coverage. Um, Hawkeye itself had landed two nominations. Um, there's no indication when Kate Bishop could suit up again in the MCU. Most likely is a second season of Hawkeye. Um, so think. we'll see if there's more appearances coming. Yeah, like that. One would hope. Obviously, I think we it's been established that they're probably uh, trying to put together young young Avengers. So right. it stands to reason that's, that that could be going into a phase five. We don't know. Uh, Marvel She-Hulk, attorney at law, composer has been revealed. So uh, as Agent 70 said, we're almost about a month away from She-Hulk. Um, and we found out that uh, the show has a composer, which you would think would have happened before now. Uh, in the form of, oh wait! Apparently, we also find out, according to this article, um, it's going to be nine episodes. Uh, and we knew uh, Mark Ruffalo and Tim Roth was going to be there, and Wong was going to be there, Benedict Wong, uh, and a host of other people apparently are, are showing up in the, uh, in- including, um, um, oh, I can't remember her name from Hamilton, so that, I guess that's something. Uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry, who I love. So, but anyway, uh, who is the name? Amy Darty is the is going to serve as the series' composer. Uh, Darty's past work includes Undone, Happiest Season, and Spirits Untamed, which none of which I have no idea is about. Next up. So in several new stills that were released for the upcoming Disney Plus She-Hulk series, um... Comicbook.com reported in the caption of one photo that showed Jen Walters in a courtroom revealed that She-Hulk, attorney at law, will include one of the character's longtime courtroom rivals from the comics, Dennis Buck Bukowski. He will be portrayed in live action by Drew Matthews. So the character first appeared in Savage She-Hulk number two in 1980 when he came head to head with the defense attorney, whereas Buck Bukowski was a criminal prosecutor. There's some other stuff here about what uh, the character uh, character's origin was in the comics. But, you know, we'll see how they change it in the TV show. Yep. Yep. I'm actually looking forward to Shio because I said this before. I love Shio, so uh, I hope they do do her right. Um, young Han Solo actor cast as excuse me cast in Marvel's Ironheart. So great, Alden Enric, uh, Aaron Rick, Aaron, yeah, Aaron Reich. I think it is. I think that's right. Yeah, Aaron Reich. Um. Because I've never heard of him say it, I don't think. Or it's, uh, either way, um, Young Han is joining Ironheart. Uh, we don't know who he's going to play or as what. I'm. I wonder if they're going to try him out as a as a villainous role. Who's to say? But we don't know anything outside of the fact that he's going to be in the cast um, uh, with uh, the other folks. Next up. The second season of Loki is currently shooting principal photography in and around London. The production's recent tendency to film on practical outdoor sets has led to a plethora of set photos being taken. The latest batch of snapshots include Tom Hiddleston's eponymous Asgardian trickster and Owen Wilson's TVA agent Mobius M. Mobius. Okay. A plethora? Apparently so. You have to be of a certain finish to, to get that reference, but if I, um, 
Shout out to Three Amigos. Thor 4's mm-hmm. uh, Christian Bale explains why playing gore is the easiest job. Uh, actually, he kind of doesn't. He just basically says, it's easy, it's easy. Because they're, well, he kind of does say, it was like, yeah, people are kind of sort of rooting for the, uh, um, the the villain, which is also true. There are more villain lovers out there than 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 used to be. You know, it's ages of the internet. Uh, it says here, playing the hero that's the toughest job, according to him. He also says that um, apparently there were some film, some scenes that were filmed uh, with him, his character, and the Grandmaster, but in uh, entry, which I did see, uh, I think in a spoiler video or something that that was mentioned, but they were left on the cutting room floor, so we'll probably see those um, in the home release, I would assume. So um, maybe we'll also get another Team Daryl short or a Team Thor short. We don't know, which I just finally saw those for the first time ever. Um, so we'll see. Next up. All right. In some uh, welcome news, Netflix subscribers now have access to one of my favorite Spider-Man animated shows of all time. The Spectacular Spider-Man, which made its debut in 2008 on the CW and ran for two seasons. There were future seasons planned, but the production came to an abrupt halt when Disney purchased Marvel. So the belief is that since the series was a production of Sony Pictures Television, Disney wanted its own Spider-Man show under its own production umbrella. This led to the creation of Ultimate Spider-Man, Spider-Man on Disney XD. If you missed the spectacular (laughs) Spider-Man, now's your time to catch up on it while it's streaming on Netflix. I love this series. I absolutely adore the voice acting and some of the writing. Not all of the writing, but definitely some of the adaptations that they put into play to to basically retell the origin story of Spider-Man in, you know, more recent times. And this is, you know, I, I say more recent times with the... You know, with a, a tongue firmly planted in cheek, because this is from 2008, <laughs> right? And, and I believe this was younger, younger uh, Spidey before Ultimate, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that this show I remember because a, a couple of years ago, when and um, uh, uh, Agent Seven was kind of going on about this show, I can't remember why it even came up. Um, probably because it was on DVD or something, or, or, or I know we talked about it. A while ago, I think I ended up getting it because I know he said it was his favorite show, and I've watched some of it. Like, yeah, it's pretty good. I still kind of like uh, one of the other versions a little bit more, but it's definitely has some good points to it. And so, if you haven't had a chance to check that out, go for it. And it's on Netflix now. It so. is, yeah. So the the thing about this show was like, yeah, like Agent Seventy was saying, was like it got it got caught up in a perfect storm of a whole bunch of uh, things that that had gotten it canceled at the time. It was just a a bad time for the for it put it that way um right so but it lives on on netflix for at least for until it uh they take it off of there taika waititi continue uh considers directing star wars on the mandalorian a highlight of his life now we also know that he's also gotten a um star trek star wars excuse me i'm going to continue to do that folks so get over it um <laughs> Uh, a Star Wars project uh, out of it, but this is basically him. Um, I guess while he's uh, while uh, being interviewed about Lord, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, uh, he talks about his work with uh, John Favreau and uh, helming the last episode, last episode of season one of The Mandalorian, and said that it was a huge learning experience and it was a very special thing uh, for him to to do that episode. So, 
Yeah, like I said, he ends up getting some more Star Wars work out of it, so I guess that makes some, some more sense. Next up. <sighs> I would get this story. <laughs> so apparently, Morbin Time is not over quite yet for Morbius <laughs> fans who are attending this year's San Diego Comic-Con next week. Because there's going to be an in-person screening of the Sony Pictures film at San Diego Comic-Con. It's going to begin at 3.50 p.m. on Thursday, July 21st. It will be held in Grand 5 of the Marriott, Marriott Marquis San Diego Marina, following a, show, a showing of Ghostbusters Afterlife and Before the Fifth Element. San Diego Comic-Con will also be showing Spider-Man No Way Home, another Sony comic book movie, later that day. Seriously? Hey, boo! The, Hi-ya. I mean, seriously, more Morbin time? Yeah, seriously? They're, they're basically oh. trying to trying to make fetch happen here which it shouldn't it's not going to just let it go how about this your mother brought you up wrong that's what it is <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't used that one in a long time just so <laughs> just because Roddy Cat was talking just a bit over I'll play it one one more time that's terrible man your mother brought you up wrong that's what it is <laughs> so yeah how the, the best thing Sony could do is uh, is to work with Marvel again so we can kind of get some more um get things back the way they should be. But we know they're not going to do that, which sucks. So, hey, guess what, folks? All of the Barbies and Margot Robbie's uh, Barbie movie got together for a sleepover before filming. Oh, that's That rhymed. Yeah, sure did. Shout out to... I'm about to call him Shaq, uh, Zach Braff, but that's not who wrote this article, and I'm not going to say his name. So, uh, apparently... Um, there's a quote from this is right in the beginning we had a sleepover for the Barbies which would involve playing games with Scott Evans and uh, Nkuti Gatwa uh, according to uh, Emma Mackey um, uh, who is also uh, the part of the, the cast um, I don't play games usually but I got so uh, competitive angry I part of me is like I don't know what in the world this movie is going to be but hearing the, the behind the scenes stuff like this is like I kind of want to at the very least see what the hell's going on. I'm, I'm probably not going to watch this movie, but at the same time, yes, I will. I probably will because I got I got to know what the fuck this thing is going to be. There is no reason for this movie to, be, to exist, but at the same time, I don't know. This is probably going to be better than the um, uh, Jim and the Holograms movie or such the like. We don't know. Oh no. Um, anyway, next up. Uh, in anticipation of the season three premiere of DC's hilarious Harley Quinn adult animated series on HBO Max, later this month on Ju- July 28th, IGN has an exclusive poster f- reveal featuring Batman, King Shark, Bane, and more. And Roddy Cap probably has that up mm-hmm. in f- uh, for everyone to see. So, uh, interesting. And I believe, yes, the the teaser trailer, um, and I believe it was another trailer that also um, uh, came out since this article um, has come out about uh, season three. So there's that if you are fans. Uh, the Bob's Burgers movie is now streaming on Hulu and HBO Max, apparently. Excuse me, I'm pretty sure there's some Bob's Burgers fans out there. I, I can't say that I'm one of them. Then again, I've not really watched too many episodes, so it's not that I hate it. It's just I've not really seen much of it. But hey, guess what, folks? It's out there if you're so inclined to check it out if you have not already. Next up. 
All right, so The Boys TV show is going to cross over with its spinoff titled The Boys Presents Varsity. The Boys showrunner Eric Kripke confirmed in an interview with Deadline via Collider that some of the storylines of season three of The Boys hand off to the first season of Varsity, creating the possibility for familiar faces to appear in the spinoff. The Boys season three finale debuted last week on Prime Videos I discussed earlier. Okay. Ninja Turtle fans, bring the last road into life in stunningly detailed animation. Uh, on July 1st, the animation and film channel Speeder Coggin, uh, run by creator Magnus Edlund, debuted its fan-made adaptation of 2020's The Last Ronin, which is another, well, let's say 2020, it was like 2020 to 2022 as long as that took to come out. Anyway, the short introduces uh, viewers to the titular hero at the end of his rope, along with allusions to the tragedies he suffered leading up to the series' devastating vision of the future. Now, this one, as opposed to the next one we're about to talk about, I did not get a chance to check out, but kind of curious to see the quality of it. Uh, Next up. Next up, we are in Anime Corner, so, and this is appropriate uh, for this first Anime Corner Story. So after four years of development, Studio Stray Dog has finally released its animated short film, which is dedicated to Dragon Ball Z. And apparently, according to the writer of this article, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's titled Legend, A Dragon Ball Tale. It's an eight-minute film featuring an intense battle between Dragon Ball mainstays, including Goku and Broly. Or Brawly, depending on who you are and how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. It includes a new take on Dragon Ball's famous transformations, which feel almost brutal in this take on Akira Toriyama's classic. And is dedicated to every child who believed they could train in 100 times Earth's gravity. Okay. Yeah, you should check it out. It, it, it looks pretty good. Um, part of it kind of reminded me of, uh, at least if you're looking at the still that's in the, uh, the article that I'm showing on the video version, it kind of looks like the art style of um, Mobile Suit Gundam, weirdly enough. Um but doesn't necessarily uh, go there. But yeah, you should check it out. It's pretty good. Um, Dragon Ball creator breaks down reasoning for Piccolo's new look. Um, so this is a spice, slight spoiler for Dragon Ball Super uh, superhero, which we won't necessarily go into, but I believe we have mentioned before that both Gohan and Piccolo have new forms. And this is articles kind of going into a reason why uh, Toriyama chose to uh, uh, make Piccolo's new form the way it is. Put it that way. Next up. All right, next up, the Tale of Outcasts anime heads to Crunchyroll. So it's among a slew of exciting announcements uh, from Anime Expo. Crunchyroll revealed that it plans to simulcast the recently revealed anime adaptation of Makoto Hoshino's The Tale of Outcast manga. The series is coming to Crunchyroll soon to territories worldwide, except for Asia, and the original author shared a special illustration and message to go along with the news. Okay. At, at first I thought like this thing has a B-Stars look to it, but now I guess not. Uh, it, but anyway. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! We're going to get into the manga corner, but we don't, have to, we don't need a transition for it. Uh, okay. Yu-Gi-Oh! crosses new sales milestone after creator's death. Uh, we talked about last uh, week that um, Kazuki Takahashi's uh, passing, um, and apparently the as tends to happen sometimes, uh, book sales went up. So, and it just so happened to be the 20th anniversary of the original um, um, the, the 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 original uh, manga 
uh, of Yu-Gi-Oh last year. So, you know, it's, 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 it's still a sad thing. So, but apparently, uh, yeah, like 40 million copies have been um, uh, purchased so far. I think that's to date, not not with the passing. But um, so, yeah, that's the thing. Next up. So in a weird story, a long-lost Marvel hero is getting ready for their big comeback. You know, it's not somebody that's been off our radar completely, but we are referring to uh, something that has spoilers for Marvel Voices Pride Number 1, as well as Mech Strike Monster Hunters Number 1, both available now from Marvel. Mm -hmm. These are books that came out recently. Uh, I think I skimmed the Pride issue. I don't know about Roddy Cat. And the Mech Strike issue, I don't even think I opened I neither actually I didn't I didn't check it, uh, either one so far. So bottom line is they're bringing back Demolition Man, aka Dennis Dunphy D Man, and apparently he's getting ready in this, the the hyperbolic words of this article writer. He's getting ready to become a breakout fan favorite after nearly four decades of trying. So yeah, uh, apparently um, in this Mech Strike book. Um, D-Man is leading a group of trans characters who are going to be taking putting on armor of some sort. So, okay. Yeah. You know, so make, basically, making D-Man a thing. Yeah. So, the funny part about this was like last week I when you were talking about Captain America, I was totally going to make a D-Man joke. This was before even seeing this. So, that that's kind of funny that this article happened to, to come about. Um, and yeah, that Mech Strike thing, I guess they're going the the, the long haul. We we tried to read that last one. We did read that last one. Um, the the last uh one, but I don't know. Just like with Savage. I was about Spider-Man. to say. Apparently, D Man has come out of the closet and revealed himself as gay. So that's news to me. Good for him. But you know, I don't recall yeah. anything uh, uh, that might have been in that Pride issue. More than likely, yeah. Um, because I don't remember that happening prior to mm. recent history. I just um, remember him being smelly. Um, in yes. that first, in that Kurt Busiek and George Perez, um, uh, Avengers book. Mm-hmm. So, cause he lived not with the Morlocks, but with like the, the underground people in the sewers. So, right. And he was there because he had been, uh, a, a, a reserve Avenger and nobody wanted to sit by him. I remember that, but that, uh, I still have that panel in my head thinking about him mm-hmm. with that. That was, mm-hmm. sad. that was real sad. Uh, anywho's. Uh, Marvel announces Moon Knight Werewolf by Night crossover, apparently, uh, which is going to happen in the upcoming Moon Knight Annual Number One. Uh, let's see, and it's going to be Jack Russell, not the um, the uh, the newer version of uh, Werewolf Night by Night uh, that that uh, one dude from the Black Eyed Peas wrote or co-wrote. Uh, released in October, which weirdly enough, funny enough, uh, coincides with the um, the, the um, Halloween special. That's uh, coming out. Coinky dink. I don't think so. Really, in October, the synopsis for the Moon Knight Annual Number One reads: In the dark hole, there's a prophecy of how God might die. Jack Russell, more familiar with that cursed tone than most, would most uh, would like very much to kill a god and save his people. Uh, the people bound in servitude to the moon. Uh, the so a fact will go on. You see where this is going. So um, yeah. I don't know. We'll check it out. I think, uh, yep. Jed McCage writing this. Federico Sabatini is doing the cover. So basically it's a creative team for, um, the current Moon Knight book. Uh, October 26th is when this is going to release. Next up. All right. So these are spoilers for Knights of X number three. 
that's now on sale by Marvel Comics. I am not up on Knights of X, so this is news to me. So mm. spoiler alert for anyone who is looking to read Knights of X number three. So apparently Gambit has bit the bullet, kicked the can, uh, flung his last card. Because apparently to save him, he sacrificed himself to save his fellow Knights of X from Merlin in Otherworld, apparently. Mm-hmm. So he used a, a, one of the cards from a deck of mystical tarot cards he'd stolen from Otherworld's ousted ruler Saturnin, or Saturnine yeah. to unleash a devastating explosion that consumed both him and Merlin. While Merlin's fate is currently unknown, Knights of X number three ended with a gruesome close-up of Gambit's seemingly lifeless hand lying in a pool of blood, revealing that the card he'd drawn was the major arcana of death. So, so if you are familiar with tarot, apparently... This may not be the last time we see the the, the Cajun, so. But uh, bottom line here is uh, this is a a pretty big spoiler, and I'm kind of curious as to why this didn't come up in uh, the Hellfire Gala. Um, I'm I suspect it will at some point, but you know how some the the timing of these things kind of mm-hmm. happen. So that's probably more of a timing thing, and they'll they'll catch up to it. Um. Yeah, so this is kind of news to me. Also, even though I think I've read the at the very least the first issue or two of this book, uh, I didn't get a chance to get to, to get to this one. So, I mean, the only thing different is now we know the the the, the um the resurrection protocols don't really work in other world like they do. So either he's going to come back, he's going to come back uh, different, right? Like uh, like rock slide, exactly. So if they do intend to bring him back, uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Will he be the same person? Will they annul Rose in his marriage? Probably, because that's how the stupid kind of things they'll do. But we'll find out at some point down the line. Uh, Marvel Entertainment unveils 2022 San Diego Comic-Con panel lineup. Um, so, yeah, there's um, uh, San Diego Comic-Con. You know, it's the big thing coming up, uh, actually, what, a couple of weeks yeah, July 21st through the 24th. So there was certain... Well, actually, excuse me, next week, right? Yeah, next week. Yeah, next week. Sorry. So, hey, be on the lookout for more news after the week after that, because I'm pretty sure by the time the show yeah. happens, we're not going to have a whole, whole lot to talk about. All right, we'll have from a few things, yeah. but not, not, a, not, not at the same clip, not the same amount as the week after. Right, because there's usually stuff that comes out uh, prior to the show so right. no no doubt we'll have something just not a whole lot regardless so uh if you are interested uh the the list of panels is in this um article including stuff on judgment day and uh, marvel fanfare that's funny uh but i think that's a thing that happens anyway and some other stuff women of marvel and other stuff but you can check that out in the article uh, in the show notes next up join the crew of the uss proto star with these exclusive star trek prodigy coloring pages uh, so you can share these with someone. You can print these up. Apparently, you can easily download them and print them out uh, for free. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to tag at Star Trek on social with your creations. You never know who might see them. Okay. Yeah. And hey, you know, these days and times, a good coloring book is sometimes uh, a thing some folks might need. Just kind of keep their mind off of other things. Yep. Um, the Emergence Universe invites fans to meet the rejects in a new spinoff. Uh, we kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago or something like that. But uh, apparently CBR has a preview of the Rejects number one, uh, which debuted on Interpop on July 6th. Uh, shout out to the BDM and crew, um, uh, which we don't get copies of their stuff because they're not readily available apparently. But if you are interested in that um, 
uh, in that book, in that universe, there is a preview, uh, some preview pages uh, in this article. Next up. Last but not least, uh, spoiler alert here for Mighty Morphin number 21, which is now available from Boom Studios. So while the Power Rangers have gone through a bunch of changes, um, you know, the comic book counterparts of these characters have gotten to relive many of those same experiences all over again, but with some shocking new twists. So, uh, let's see here. Uh, all right, I am not familiar with any of these characters, but apparently, um, here I can I can I can shed light if you don't mind. Oh, please, 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 please so take it away. The original Pink Ranger, uh, Kim, Kimberly. Uh, went through um, specifically in the course of that Shattered Grid um, uh, event from like what last year, year before. Uh, went through some things, and uh, there was a future version of her that we ended up meeting, but I don't think she ever did. I can't remember because I can't remember if I remember reading the rest of it. Um, but she discovers that. Um, I, she finally, I guess, catches up with uh, some things that uh, the other character. Uh, the other version of her finds out about, I guess. So, and I think also something with uh, having to do with Tommy, the, the 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 Green Ranger at the time. So, and that whole thing that was a pretty good um, there, there was good stuff going on in in, in that thing, but I, I didn't uh, continue with it. So I don't know. Like I have to go back to this to this uh, this universe at some point to catch up, uh, especially after the things that happened in, in, in this particular volume. So, but yeah, she found out some more stuff about what happens to her in the future and whatnot, or a future version of her, I should say. And that folks is that, um, this in the news section, we can go uh, get one last ad read. Yes. And you know what it is. We started late because of some gremlins popping up, but thankfully we've made it through our last ad read of the night. You know, it's late for us, folks. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment. That helps us keep the Comfortable Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. I did not partake in uh, Prime Day. I don't know if you did. Uh, tangentially. I did buy something, but it wasn't, I don't think what I bought had any Prime Day um, Discount. uh, discounts to it. Yeah. So I kind of missed out. There. Actually, I did go in the last final hours to see if they had um, like Black Panther, uh, not Black Panther, um, uh, Black Widow or Shang-Chi for sale or something. Uh, and I think they did have like a DVD. It's, uh, they had a DVD, uh, a Blu-ray set for Transformers. I was like, no, I'm not doing that for myself. <laughs> I was mildly tempted by the Wolverine Marvel Legends six pack. Mm. The one with uh, Omega Red and Cyber and... Um, mastermind in the 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 hellfire club clothing and callisto so i thought about that real hard i was like you know what no right i've already held off this long even though it was really cheap it was like 69 right you know what i didn't even think to look at the uh that section um yeah because i was looking at a couple other sections i was even looking at a 
bread maker for my wife or something. But um, uh. yeah, but you were looking practical. You know I me; mean, I'm always looking at Marvel Legends on Amazon. Yeah, but if I had thought about it, because I have still have some in my in my wish list, whatnot, and I was like, yeah, I guess I should have looked at it. And I was also looking at like um, Transform. I no, I didn't look at any Transformers either. Damn, that's a bummer. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I kind of caught a whiff of it, but I didn't really go too far into it. I did take advantage of some of the games that they gave away for free, or at least one of them that I didn't have. So that's something, I guess. But either way, hey, this is not a, uh, well, Amazon is a sponsor, but we are not directly getting anything from them. So there is that. Anyway, folks, this has been the Chronicles. I have been Roddy Cats. You can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter also, and popculturenetwork.com and all the br- umbrella sites therein. Tim, D O G G 98, uh, the Osiris that is ish. You can find him at that. You can also find him at uh, CB Cron, which is the Combo Chronicles Twitter account. You can also find him at The Click Nation on Twitter. That's T H E K L I Q N A T I O N. Uh, you can also find him at comicbook.com where he's over there writing his face off. And not that god awful movie. Mm. I know people love face off. I don't, but that's just me. We're not we're not gonna get into that. That's another podcast, folks. Uh you can also find this here podcast on the Cold Slither Podcast Network that's CSPN.us. Do it today. John Woo has way better movies. Let me say The Killer. Watch that. Better tomorrow. Watch that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, Mission Impossible 2. Hey, I enjoyed that movie. I know people don't like that one. We're, that's, again, not a whole other movie. A whole other podcast. Sorry, folks. Um, you can f- also find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30ish p.m. on the uh, YouTube channels of uh, The Click Nation and uh, twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. <laughs> And that's youtube.com slash the click nation if you are uh, not sure. So, yeah, uh, that's it, folks. We're out of here. And um, I don't know, we don't really have anything else. Miss Marvel's over with. We don't really have, we're, we're free and clear for the next uh, month ish. Yeah, for a little while. So, you know, we're going to take some time to uh, enjoy the books and not have to crowd our show with uh, TV reviews. You know, we'll see how that goes. Indeed. And but next week's probably going to be busy because of San Diego stuff and even busier the next week with the fallout of all the San Diego stuff. Definitely week after that. Yeah, we're, we're going into San Diego, so we'll, we'll, we'll get some stuff. But um, yeah, the weeks after are going to be pilfered. All right, folks. The, this has been the Comic Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. And knowing is half the battle.